to Cinebabble, episode 80. I am your host, Ken, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, famed, well, should I say infamous eco-terrorist and animal rights activist, Clint Jones. Clint, how's it going uh, killing people instead of animals? I'm not killing people. I'm just blowing up pipelines. That's all. <laughs> just pipeline violence. Yeah. It, there happen to be workers nearby. It's their own fault. Well, they chose that line of work, okay. and I have a righteous crusade that I'm on. So. I've been looking at your your recent advertising spread, uh, just naked shots of you for PETA covered in animal blood. It's very strange. It's oil. Uh, oh, oh, oh. It's okay. making a political point. It's, okay. Yeah. I see. I see. It's very hazy then because I, I didn't quite grasp the, the commentary, but... Uh, well, I just think about those clip. little dawn ducks on the beach and we're, <laughs> and we're just washing them off. I am that duck. <laughs> you, you're the duck? Yeah. Not the one washing the duck? No. Who's... That's why I'm covered in the oil. So today... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Clint, what you watching about? Just jumping right in, are no, you? No, just jumping right in. I lost track of it as soon as I was trying to figure out who was washing the duck that was Clint covered in the oil of blood from the, you know, it's 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 a very confusing time. I am the duck. You are the kind uh, savior who is washing me clean. I, I have to bathe you? Do you this, not want to? This has gotten inappropriate and it feels strange, <laughs> Clint. I don't know where I'm at in this. It seems totally fine. What you been watching? I was sick again. Again? Thank you, my lovely wife, oh, who decided to pass geez. on her um, her disease of some sort. I think okay. it was the same thing I had before. Okay. So I had a wonderful sick day. It was one of those days where like, I'm almost healed, but I need a little bit more time. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm not spreading my disease to coworkers and I can just get get back to 100%. Nice. And I spent that time watching movies. Excellent. And I went down a very Clinton uh, rabbit hole of just Criterion for uh, uh, 48 hours. Okay. Or so. um, the first thing that I watched actually... Um, well, I did go to the theater before this happened. I will save that for last. But the first thing I watched was a movie called Playtime from 1967. Okay. And this is by uh, Jacques Tati. And he's in that tradition of, um, let's say, like Charlie Chaplin or Buster Keaton, but he was like working like a lot later than it, he mm -hmm. wasn't in the silent period. And man, this is... It's, I, I'd been watching a lot of those Criterion, like where they interview um, directors or actors or something, and they go through a bunch of cr Criterion that meant something to them, or, or just films in general. Mm -hmm. And Tati came up time and time again, so I was like, okay. I gotta check him out. And I am so happy I did. This was one of the most delightful films I've seen in a long time. And it's on Criterion Streaming? Yeah. And okay. the, he, um, there's a whole series of films that he's done. And he plays this character. Um, uh, I'm going to pronounce this probably incorrectly. Um, Holot. Holot. Holot? Holot. Uh, Monsieur Holot. Okay. And he, it's his kind of like clown character that he plays in every single movie that he's done. And he directs them all. And it's very, you can totally see that like Wes Anderson just like stole large <laughs> swaths of this mm -hmm. because it's very, a very constructed world. And in this one, and um, it's kind of, he's this character who is not really willing to change with the times. And in this one, he's kind of up against the new, like a mechanized world of okay. 1960s, like France. And um, 
but it's some of the funniest just visual gag stuff I've seen and just so delightful and very light on story. It's more just like this character coming in contact with other characters and seeing how he reacts and um, just like seeing this world that he's constructed because it's so um, just like a toy box or or like a dollhouse. There in this one... um, uh, specifically, I'm not totally sure. I haven't watched any others of his yet, but this one, like he completely built a like city block of France, like, and you could. And there's like these beautiful glass skyscrapers where you can see, like, kind of like you know, in West Anderson where they do the um, like cutaway, mm-hmm. like, and you can just see the whole street yeah. and people are in them do, in in the, each room doing yeah. the thing they need to do. It's, I highly recommend okay. this if you, ha- it, like, it's just so delightful okay. and um, just like kind of an easy thing to watch And the character is very, um, I just, I'm just keep saying delightful. It's okay. wonderful. All right. I'm in. Yeah. The first thing I watched uh, was on Amazon and uh, I got around to watching all the episodes of Dead Ringers. <clears throat> Have you? Yes. You've watched it as well? Yeah. This okay. was something I meant to watch, but I'm going to go during, down my criterion hole. So. Okay. All right. So uh, I watched this seven-episode, six-seven-episode adaptation starring Rachel Weisz mm-hmm. as uh, as the, the twins yeah. at the center of this story. And I'm curious what you thought, but um, I liked it. And hated it and <laughs> liked it again and then hated it again. It was a very I, – I felt like my enjoyment was was in the middle of a tug-of-war match mm. between the good things about this series and the things I did not enjoy. Uh, it was certainly interesting, and uh, some episodes are better than others. It does a lot of time jumping, which uh, irritated me a bit. But uh, what what was your take on it? I liked it all the way through consistently. Okay. Like okay. I, I was on board with it. I really loved her performance as the two twins. Mm-hmm. I really liked the. Um, it had a very David Fincher feel to mm-hmm. it, like stylistically, and I liked that they did different things with the characters and the idea of like what body horror is. Mm-hmm. This is what I I think, like uh, Brandon Cronenberg, he. He's trying to reimagine body horror and it's just kind of ultra violence. I love that this went inward to like just true like real life body horror okay. of like of um just the whole pregnancy uh some sometimes that's where it got me. It was very effective in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um there's there's one episode in particular where they go to this mansion in Alabama. Uh hands down my favorite episode mm. of of the season. Uh but just very unsettling, very strange very almost surreal um for for me it was i th- i think my central problem was that in the in the original film uh the the twin uh that kind of descends into madness that is a culmination of everything mm. whereas this it comes very very early and um i i don't know if that helped the narrative structure as much as it as it hurt it uh, it ends up paying off, but I think as I was going through it, uh, it just I, – I just couldn't get my grounding. I don't know. It's not by any means. It's not bad. No, it's good. It's just there There were things I really, really liked about it and things that just sort of puzzled me and left me cold. I and thought they I, did a really good job like hinting early on that like this is – She's kind of always just barely on the edge of holding it together. Yeah, and yeah. when it 
she's kind of left to her own devices. It's just you can't tell what she's going to do. Yeah. I thought they did a good, good job yeah. of building that up. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Um, it is one that I'm going to give some space to and watch again just because by the time I got to the end of it, I felt like – I had some some key pieces of understanding uh, that would help define things that I had a problem with earlier. Hmm. So I'm curious if that changes my my uh, impression of it or if I just feel the same way at the end. But, hmm. you know, not not recommending it. Watch it. It's definitely worth watching. I'm recommending it. Uh, good. There you go. <laughs> what else <laughs> are you uh, recommending today, Clint? Um, another one that I watched, that this was one I've been meaning to watch because I, I've been slowly kind of gathering this director's films because they're kind of hard to find and strangely this one was on criterion and i must have just missed it before and this is called songs from the second floor by roy anderson and this is from 2002 and he did um a pigeon sat on a branch reflecting on existence and about endlessness from 2019 which yeah that um and this was one of those directors that kind of have just like reshaped like like it's he jumped to like my top of my favorite directors list like he is you can tell that um he's more interested in the image than story and it's very painterly and just otherworldly and it's just right up my alley um i definitely went down to like an auteur mm-hmm. um road and I, if you haven't seen have you ever watched any of them yet no. that no no i don't expect you're going to like them very much because they're very vignette and like there isn't vignette they, <laughs> they're they're very short snippets and like they jump around and there's um and like less so in um about endlessness but in this one and in like a pigeon sound on a branch there are characters you come back to mm-hmm. and are more of a through line mm-hmm. but just like they're just so darkly funny okay. and it's wholly an original world like you honestly you would have you'll be like i've never seen anything like this okay um i'll just keep gushing about it but he if you haven't seen anything by roy anderson uh it's fantastic well in my uh train ride into artorville uh (laughs) i took a stop at star wars vision season two (laughs) have you watched no uh this is a collection of shorts animated shorts uh, in and around the Star Wars universe, uh, I enjoyed the the first season quite a bit. Although it was it was very hit or miss for me. Um, yeah, that one was way. I've watched the first season. Yeah, and, the second yeah. season is the same. I, yeah. I think the overall quality is more consistent, but it also didn't have anything that really eclipsed uh, some of the standouts from the first season. Oh, okay, but it also didn't have any that I well. Correction. It did have one I really did not enjoy, um, but there's there's quite a quite a bit of good here, and it's fun just seeing uh, different uh, filmmakers and animation houses uh, tackle kind of lore that is is close to our childhoods. This one was particularly interesting to me because there there is um, uh, a director from India, mm. there's a director from France, there's a director. It's it has a much more international feel. So yeah. rather than just Star Wars through a Japanese lens, mm. you get Star Wars through a Japanese lens, Star Wars through a European lens, and mm. and an Asian lens. And it was um, it was interesting okay. uh, watching that. But on the whole, I think four of them I just really really enjoyed, and the other. Five, eh, yeah, this is hmm. cute. That's good. That's, uh, Star Warsy, <laughs> except for I, I just did not enjoy the the one. Uh, I believe it's called the Bandits of Something Something. Mm. Um, 
I didn't enjoy the animation uh, or the story or, but, you know, what are you going to do? It was like all of it. It was Star Wars. It was Star <laughs> Wars. There's one that's great in there. I, I really enjoyed the one. It reminded me of the one in the first season that we talked about where I said, um, you know, oh, I would I would watch an entire series based around mm. these characters. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's the fifth episode by Studio Mirror. And they have uh, they have a really good uh, kind of light versus dark and, and a nice little twist on Sith versus Jedi. Yeah. Uh, with somebody who is neither kind of caught in between. Uh, these these two warring factions. It was it was really good. Um, so I'm not saying rush to it. Yeah. But um, you know, if you're Star Wars nuts like you, I mean, <laughs> like me, like you, yeah. You just you I'm, love them them, I love Star, them Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, this is this is definitely uh, something that will give you mild enjoyment during your flu symptoms. Well, the first season kind of I enjoyed aspects of it. Yeah. Um, I'll probably get around to it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's just a you know when you have nothing else. Yeah, it, it'll be there. I'm rewatching um, Dead Ringers over and over because I loved it so much. Did you really love it that much? I liked it a lot. Oh wow! Okay. I didn't love it, but I liked it a lot. Is is it just? I was I was genuinely creeped out during the Alabama Mansion episode. Yeah, it felt very horror to me, and I was really enjoying that episode. Mm. Um. But in in a different way, it was almost like in Atlanta when they would do a horror episode, yeah. Where just suddenly it's it's very tense and suspenseful and and creepy, and I just I don't know. It was creepy, but the people were just so terrible that I was fixated on that aspect uh, of it. Gotcha. Like just these are awful people. I don't my want to be around my them. favorite beat in the whole series also happens in that episode where the black reporter is sitting there mm. and the twin girls, oh, uh, the yeah. daughters are all cleaning up and they start singing down to the river to pray. Uh-huh. And he just looks around and starts laughing. Uh-huh. Oh, that was, it was just, it was so funny to me. <laughs> it was great. Uh, what else? What else you got? So um, I've slowly been like, this is a director who I kind of felt like I wrote off at some point. Okay. Um, but like the more like and not for any reason it wasn't like and it was like I hadn't seen a lot of his work okay. and the more that I see of his work I really appreciate him and James Cameron <laughs> no but I um, <laughs> I am actually really liking his work a lot and okay. that this is the movie is Body Double by Brian De Palma oh from oh, 1984 okay. is this is the first time you've seen Body Double yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. I had never okay. seen it. Um, and there's a collection of uh, erotic thrillers on Criterion, and there's two of his films in mm-hmm. there, and this was one of them. And, um, man, I really like this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it really – you can tell for sure in this one his love for Hitchcock, mm-hmm. like just plain as day. Yeah. But I love what he's doing with it, and he's combining different aspects of Hitch- Hitchcock mm-hmm. in really interesting ways, and also playing with tropes of just horror from mm-hmm. that time period in the 80s, and kind of the er- idea of an erotic thriller, but also like mashing it together to make sense and not just be titillating. Like yeah. It's not just yeah. nudity for the sake of just showing some boobs. It's like actually plays into the story, and... um I, I don't know that there there's actually one of the strongest like one of my favorite horror images in this that I've seen in a while with the, the, the like killing with the drill mm-hmm. and just through the floor in the blood and like man that that is such a great strong horror image especially like building up to it when mm-hmm. there's it's more of a thriller and a um like 
mystery of what's going to happen and to who. And I, I came to it late, and I remember being very surprised at how influential of a movie it was in, yeah. in terms of its visuals and mm -hmm. iconography and things like that. There were certain things that as I'm watching, I'm like, oh, this movie really made ripples and, yeah, and had yeah. an effect on other other filmmakers. Yeah. You can you can really see the kind of the the genesis of a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And you can just see like him playing with like horror that's come before it, yeah. not just Hitchcock, but just like slasher and mm -hmm. um all the mainstream stuff of that time period. But yeah, like after seeing this and like Sisters, have you have you watched that yet? Mm -hmm. I thought that was great. And then like I just watched, I think I talked this about this in our horror episode a while back, but I had just watched Carrie. And I it was a movie I had just like, oh, I, I know what Carrie is. Yeah. And then watching it, I was like, oh, this is a lot more interesting and nuanced than I was expecting it to be. I went on a De Palma bender during uh, COVID. Yeah. And I think I watched everything except for Black Dahlia, which mm. has kind of notoriously yeah. bad reviews. Yeah. I never got around to it, but I that's when I rediscovered a lot of his mm -hmm. earlier films that I had missed. Um, and uh, I even watched Snake Eyes with uh, <laughs> Nicolas Cage. That is... That is something. It but, might be uh, a point I stop right there. But, yeah, but. <laughs> I would, I would, uh, I would recommend Nicolas yeah. Cage saving a a hockey rink from uh, an an assassin. And there's a, it, it's very, yeah. There's a baller. It, it's anyway, <laughs> but, very convoluted. Yeah, body double. It's good. Yeah, body double is. Uh, the other thing I watched was we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and we both had been swerving away from it because it was only sixty two minutes long. But I watched Kubrick on Kubrick. Mm. And it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> uh, it is It is not even a collection of, of archival interviews. It yeah. is one interview oh, okay. that a, a French journalist did with him somewhere around the time of Full Metal Jacket being mm. released. So it's not even a, a comprehensive look at his career, even though this 62-minute docu documentary really tries to go clear up to Eyes Wide Shut uh -huh. using audio from this same mm. interview. Uh, it is okay, yeah. Um, but but there are other, frankly, uh, vastly superior Kubrick do Kubrick documentaries out yeah. there uh, that are that are much more thorough and and much more complete. Uh, this it, it was interesting because the it is a good interview with Kubrick. Mm -hmm. He has some really interesting things to say. Uh, but even then, this is probably a half an hour interview that is kind of dragged out and and spaced out to create this 62 minute documentary. So so even the 62 minutes is yeah. is overblown for what it actually is. Like it would have been a good like extra feature on oh, yeah. like for full sure. metal jacket or something. For sure. Yeah. Uh and so you know there's there's some things to it if it's ever free. I paid I think $4 to rent it. If it's ever free, I mean it's not it's not bad to watch it. it. Just it feels a little Kubrick 101, yeah, uh, and more a more a look at um, his thoughts on his own uh, art rather than uh, really digging into the movies to, to any level of depth. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, you know, just yeah, you know, skip it. Okay, you got anything else? <laughs> I, okay, so I right before I got sick, I went to the movie theater with my okay. brother, okay, and I saw a movie that I'd been itching to see since i saw the the trailer for it okay. and one of my the most recent directors working currently that has i've enjoyed everything by him and i don't want to go into this very much i just i'll i'll get because i want 
to make you go with me and see this okay. movie. And this movie is Bo is Afraid, yeah. directed by Ari Aster. And um, we got jo- Joaquin Phoenix as Bo. And this is one of the most delightfully weird movies I've seen in a minute. And- see, it scares me when you call a movie weird because when you think a movie's weird, it's it's challenging for me. It usually means I don't it's, think it's out go- there. No, it's not going to be challenging. Okay. It's just in content, it's... I won't say it's anything beyond what he's done before, okay. but just the way he st- is structuring things, mm-hmm. playing with that, and introducing just pure comedy into okay. this. This is the most enjoyable of his films. Like I will, okay. like I haven't gone back. I watched Midsummer again, but uh, I did it. Midsummer. I don't have to do it that much. <laughs> anyway, I um. I will revisit this numerous times because okay. it's just purely enjoyable. And okay. I will say it's just, it is so strange, but not in the way like that I think it will turn you off from it. It's just the way he's combining things and okay. just letting it, the structure of it kind of dictate itself okay. rather than you, you like, you won't guess any, like, there's no way to guess what's happening in this film Perfect. as far as, like, what's going to happen next. Okay. There's definitely a, um, there's thought behind it. Mm-hmm. There's intention. There's a theme through the whole thing. Um, it's just the way he is playing with things. And this is one that kind of led me down the, the road of, like, watching Tati and getting back into going through the Roy Anderson stuff because he okay. heavily, like, lo- like, Roy Anderson... Um, he loves his work too. And the more I hear Ari Esther talk, I think he's my like spirit animal to movies. <laughs> like everything mm-hmm. he says is like, oh yes, like we're on, like on the same page okay. and I think we would be friends okay. or at least he would like sh- um, to pat me on the head and like be like, good, I'm glad you like this too. See you later. All right. But highly recommend it. Okay. I know it's divisive film and it should be. Well, good. I I look forward to seeing it. Uh, the last time you talked about something like this, it was everything everywhere, and it was really a fun. I'm not saying you're comparing the two. I'm no. just saying it 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 was a very fun theatrical experience to go and and just feel your eyes on me the whole time, <laughs> watching how I'm reacting to a movie you've already seen. Uh, definitely not an uncomfortable experience whatsoever. Uh, so well, the the only other thing I have been watching because unlike you who was sick and had plenty of time. Yeah. Uh, my world uh, got a little explody at work, and I have not had a lot of time to watch things. But there have been a series of trailers that have come out that have really, you know, not just your... I thought uh, I heard something. Uh, what, what, what? Wait. I hear like a, a car backfiring. And there it is. And there's I hear squeaky brakes. And I think it's time we get a visit from the trailer trailer. Welcome to the trailer. All right, it's pretty so, musty in here. We haven't been in here in a little minute. I think we might need to air it out for a little while. Just a little bit. <laughs> There's some mice 
just yeah, like in yeah, some trash. Yeah. Why did we leave it's, all this trash uh, in here? I'm not sure what this is over here, but uh, okay. Uh, I, I do it's not want to waste our time for the first time in a trailer trailer in quite some time talking about nonsense like the the Flash trailer and the, the Batman shenanigans and all that. Uh, I don't want to talk about the, the Fast and Furious trailer. I will not talk about it. Good. I want to talk about some real trailers. Okay. And the first one this week uh, that, that hit the interwebs and just fried my brain was the long-awaited, at least to me, trailer for Dune 2. Mm -hmm. Did you see this? I did because I made this list. Excellent. <laughs> see, you weren't supposed to reveal that part. I was like doing the host thing. I, I was. I know. I wanted to break it. I know. It. Yeah. Clint. Okay. So behind the curtain, Clint picked all three trailers we're about to watch, but I was going to make it sound like it was a team effort, but it's not. Uh, so let's talk to you. <laughs> I wanted to break something. That's all. <laughs> Clint, what'd you think of uh, your first look at Dune 2, which doesn't show a lot of kind of key things. We don't see Christopher Walken's Emperor. We don't see uh, quite a few things. We do see like a main sequence from the book and yeah, we that, do. like the entire trailer, which yeah. kind of made me upset that they're going to just go for it and to show it all in the trailer. The worm riding. Oh, they oh, just oh, like oh. show it all. Yeah, that was that was quite a bit of worm riding. I thought you were talking about the battle no. uh, between Faye and um, and, uh, you know, what's his face? But, uh, but that's like, kind of like a key, shot of that. It's kind of no, like a key I, I moment from the story. And it's just like, okay, we're just going to show it all in this two-minute trailer. Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I mean, it looks great. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm really tired of this, like, thing that they're doing where they – the day before, they show a 30-second trailer for oh, the trailer. I'm so done with, with the, Why? the teaser for the teaser for it's, the trailer of the trailer. It's so silly. Yeah. And, like, I'm thinking about, like, all the people who got paid to do that. Yeah. And, like, and I'm sure they were even rolling their eyes at, like, yeah. but it's a paycheck. And, like, it's like, oh, I got okay, I got to cut this other 30-second trailer for this trailer. But My only criticism of this trailer is it plays like a trailer that is trying to get it. A, a different audience than the first film had. Yeah. It it felt like a trailer for a much more action packed movie. I have heard that, that this is going to be that. Really? Okay. I heard that this I, is much I heard more... it's going to be much more of a war film. Yeah. But, but that's action packed. Yeah. I, I guess I was saying more like uh, pacing. Oh, and, yeah. and I don't expect it to have that kind of action movie pacing, but the trailer felt very accelerated mm. compared to the the pace of the first film and what I expect from this one. I know the story gets much bigger and he's talked about how much, uh, you know, more battle that we're going to see. Um, but even then when we saw battle in the, in the first one, it's paced very um, specifically well, so there that it's not just action beat, action beat, action beat. Well, yeah, it isn't really a battle as mm. so much more of attack in yeah. that. So like, there's not a whole lot to show it, but if this is an all out like war battle, mm. it might be more of an action based Maybe. film compared to, to, which I'm fine with. I'm fine. I'm a little confused as to how they're going to handle. Are they just eliminating a time jump? Are they putting a time jump somewhere? Because from the time he learns to ride the worm in the book to the time uh, that he's, uh, you know, kind of having the showdown and, and the emperor's coming in and all that stuff. It's it's quite a stretch there. And, it might be a uh, little bit more condensed than the timeline yeah. of the book. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. We'll see. It just, Jessica has to have a baby in that time. And that seems, you know, I mean, I know that's only some months, but maybe that's how they'll 
Because she is already pregnant. And a, and a, yes, and the she's baby, not showing that she's pregnant. Yeah, and I mean, even if it's a, just a couple of years, because the baby isn't that old before she gets on into Correct. our weirdness and everything. Yeah, yeah. and he's talked about doing a third movie, so I don't know. I don't want to assume that the entirety of the first book is going to be finished with the the second movie. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, He's, like in with this first book, like the main book, not he, like the, the third movie is adapting a different book. Oh, okay. Primarily, uh, and it's one that that can very easily be condensed, and that he is doing some some condensing, at least from what it it seems. Yeah. Um, because he's thinking of this as kind of a, a trilogy arc. Even though there's six books, he's taking the first book and I believe the third book okay. and kind of making one uh, kind of socially prescient story about, uh, you know, the 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 dangers of power and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I've only read the I mean, the main yeah. it's two books, basically, like that are the, the main story. Right. It's because oh. my copy is, is broken into halves to. No, I mean, that might have been the original kind of uh, first chunk. I, I don't know how they came out, but Dune 3 and 4 is pretty important. Yeah. Uh, but as far as Paul's story, that's primarily book one and two. You're that's, right. That's what I mean. Um, because then it, it goes to Leto, his son. Yeah. And that one's three, four, and five. Oh. Yeah, I haven't got, I've only read, I guess, one and two, the yeah. main. Yeah. Paul's it's, story. It's been a hot minute since I've actually read these things. I just so. finished <laughs> finished it because I very I paced myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you find him an enjoyable writer? I actually do. Okay. I I actually some people don't. I actually like the book quite a bit. Okay. Um, it's just when I have a book of that size in front of me, mm -hmm. I feel it's daunting, and I have to okay. just take it as mm -hmm. like a chapter here and there. Um, but I actually liked it more than I thought I would okay. for being such a kind of like a hard sci-fi yeah. classic. Yeah. Um, I, I did. I thought it was yeah. good. Speaking of Foundation Season 2 is on its way. But that's neither here nor there. Because the next trailer that I have entirely selected <laughs> with no suggestion whatsoever, mm -hmm. there is a new Oppenheimer trailer. I'm going to call it the Matt Damon trailer. Clint, what do you think of the new Oppenheimer trailer? I didn't even know Matt Damon was in this thing, but he gets a lot of play in this new trailer. Yeah, I didn't either. I, I mean, well, especially, I mean, the first trailer was really just a teaser yeah. of like, oh, Oppenheimer. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh tick, tick. Yeah, clock ticking down. Yeah. Okay. I um this was the one like thing that got me really interested into mm, it. This trailer. This trailer did. Yeah. And I had um I saw saw, I don't know, something on YouTube or somewhere they're talk they were talking about the making of this mm -hmm. and talking about how um Christopher Nolan like got this black and white stock of um, IMAX film that had been out of stock, hasn't been made in years, yeah. made for this so he can make the entire thing in IMAX. And I thought that was fascinating that he's still really pushing for that and um, keeping that alive. We and, should try to find it in IMAX. Uh, oh, yeah, just that go would be, watch it. That would be great. Out. And also that he had this thing, this um, camera system built that mm -hmm. they used during the actual like testings of the, the nuclear bomb that would capture super um, – uh, the uh, uh, slow, fast frame rate mm -hmm. to capture like the explosion and all its fast glory. frame rate to get slow yeah. motion. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he had this this system remade, which like if you see pictures of it, looks like a bomb in yeah. itself. And uh, I just love the extent that he's going to to um, 
to he loves recreating things. Yeah. I think that's why it's particularly interesting in this one that he he constructed an entire nuclear device and detonated it in the desert. I think that's it's a, <laughs> it's a little it's a little much, but uh, I think it'll really pay off in the end, and uh, the ecosystems and villages it wiped out will be worth it. Uh, for a truly revolutionary cinematic experience. I mean, art is worth it. It really is. It really is. No, I'm I'm excited about it. This is the first trailer where I've gotten a sense of what the actual story mm-hmm. is going to drive at, and and I found that interesting uh, because I am not a big fan of just standard biopics, and and this really looks like it has kind of a, a sweep through this this part of history that uh, I know very little about, but I'm very interested in. Yeah, and I think the casting is great. Uh, minus Matt Damon. He just, he really bugged me in the trailer. I don't know why. I felt like he was in a different <laughs> movie. I'm sure it'll be fine in the movie. But, uh, uh, you know, hey, it looks really good. The more I, like, his films, like, I think the ones that I'm the most interested in recently have been, like, this in, like, Dunkirk. Yeah. Where he's really trying to nail a time period and, like, get all the aspects of it correct. Um, so this one, I, the story is fascinating, even if it's, a loose like biopic biopic on this on Oppenheimer's life I would be more interested in if it's just this time period in the creation of in this experiment um, of the bomb I I think that would be if that's what it focuses on I'll I'll be all on board yeah well, in the third trailer I wanted to talk about that I have not cleared with you because these is this is just a list I came up mm-hmm. with on my own yeah. by myself uh, because I'm a team player, uh, <laughs> is the new Wes Anderson film, The Title Escapes Me. Do you happen to know it, Clint? It's Asteroid City, and it's definitely it's clear like that— you have notes in front of you. <laughs> it's like I so helped weird. make this list. This, helped? Helped make this list? Yeah, made the list. Um, I'm going to make you talk about the Flash Batman trailer if you don't. Just calm a little bit down. Go ahead. Let me hear about— uh, Well, this came out a while ago, like, like a month or month, two ago. Yeah. Um, and we never even talked about that it came out. No. It just yeah. kind of slipped by us like the, all trailers yeah. seem to do these days. But um, I was – I like this trailer mm-hmm. and I like that – I mean it's definitely in the Wes Anderson world and what's going to fit perfectly in with everything else he's done. I, I like that it's kind of a different setting than he's ever done and – I, I'm hoping that it goes this direction, but like almost has this like low-key sci-fi feel to it. Mm-hmm. It actually kind of fits in perfectly with Oppenheimer yeah. because it's kind of set at this little like like military base where some kind of experiment of this sort took place mm-hmm. at some p- point, but now it's kind of like a Boy Scout retreat. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it also stars all the actors. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. all the actors Hollywood has appear in some form in this Wes Anderson trailer. Not just the Wes Anderson film, but in this trailer. They might not even be in the movie. They just came for the trailer. Seriously, I, I have no idea who is... I, I assume Jason Schwartzman is is our main protagonist. Seems like it. Uh, but you wouldn't know it from the time that he shows up in the trailer. Tom Hanks is in it? There are so many people in this movie. I was, I was really, like kind of happy that Tom Hanks is kind of joining yeah, the Wes yeah, Anderson yeah. I collective. think he'll he'll be really I like that collective. Yeah. I think he'll be really good in it and I'm convinced that 20 years from now as Wes Anderson is, you know, on and off of his deathbed 
that the movie we have from Wes Anderson at that point, there's not going to be a single extra in it because he's going <laughs> to have collected so many A-list actors mm-hmm. and have access to uh, automated AI to, you know, put some of his old actors that have passed away into it. I think it's just going to be an entire film. It'll be like, uh, you know, Gandhi, mm-hmm. but with just tens of thousands of Hollywood actors. Imagine this. Do you, do you think that Wes Anderson will have the cutest funeral? <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Like his like cast get like <laughs> like him being lowered down yep. will be that like yep. a shoebox like yeah. uh cutaway yeah a very stop motion funeral yeah 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 if you will yeah like there will be like foxes and all kinds of things scurrying around his casket yeah. no i'm i'm very much looking forward to seeing this i'm i'm excited at the trailers coming out and just everything pointing towards what looks like a really good uh kind of unique year uh in in film where it's just lots of different things coming lots of things i'm excited about um, especially Fast 10. Whoo! Um, I'm not going to talk about that. Okay. Well, Do you think next year is just going to be awful because of, like possibly. the writer's strike and everything? It, that's what happened last time. Yeah. It was, it was pretty barren. I hope it's this gonna writer's be a strike bunch doesn't of, last for a long um, time. Like reality, like documentary yeah. kind of stuff. And, and let's be honest. I know, I'm sure people in Hollywood, uh, some of which we know, uh, will disagree with me on this one. I can't wait to hear this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But here's the thing. If I'm a part of the Writers Guild and mm-hmm. I'm a famous writer and we have a writer's strike, I'm totally still writing. <laughs> there is no version of a writer's strike where I am not secretly pounding out scripts oh, so right. that I have I have stuff yeah. ready to go. I think people think, just like any other strike, that the writers have just laid down their keyboards. And I'm sure there's about five very rich and very principled writers who are like, you know what? I'm not writing during this time. But they can afford to do that. But they can afford to do it because <laughs> I guarantee you every other writer is click, 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 clacking away mm-hmm. on their keyboards to get as many scripts in the can as they can. They'll never admit it, but I know. I know. All right. So let me uh, push through the trash here. Let's get out of the trailer trailer. And... There it goes. Oh, man, it was an eager, like really eager to take that, off. That, that was a really aggressive exit. I know. I'm not sure... Uh, why? But you know, hey, whatever. That's why I was coughing because of all the smoke and I, like I know exhaust. It was well timed. It wasn't well just timed. because I'm sick. Well timed. Uh, and spreading it to me. So in episode seventy nine, we talked about what we were going to do in episode eighty, and then both Somebody of our failed. lives fell apart, and mainly me. Yeah, and failed. I failed. And so we are not doing that episode as 80. We're going to hold on to that and do it in 81. I'm very excited about it. I've been watching lots of old movies that I've been scared Obviously to go back to. Obviously not enough because we and couldn't talk about them. That, well, I, I have to watch yours too, but I already watched those. No, I'm lying. So, yeah, I got to get to mine. But anyway, uh, today what we're going to do instead since we found a little corner of the universe to record during is we're going to talk about two brand new flicks. One is very brand new. Uh, we're going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, mm-hmm. uh, which we just saw in the theater the other day. And then we're going to talk about Evil Dead Rise, which came out a few weeks ago. But let's start with Guardians of the Galaxy 3. <laughs> uh, this is an MCU film, Clint's favorites. Mm-hmm. Um This is directed by exiting Marvel filmmaker James Gunn. He is headed to the DC Universe. This is kind of, uh, well, I'm kind of excited. I'd like good DC movies. I don't even like DC characters, but I'm just tired of bad movies. Uh, And and I like James Gunn movies, so we'll see what happens. But um, this this is kind of his trilogy capper for the Guardians Universe. Typically, uh, when you have a trilogy, the third is the weakest Mm. of, of the trio, 
Um, this one finds uh, Rocket injured and the Guardians team rushing off to uh, kind of find a series of trinkets that will uh, unlock a little thing that's on his heart so they can save him. That's the super basic plot. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more going on in this movie. Clint, what did you think of Guardians of the Galaxy 3? So Guardians, these have been my favorite mm -hmm. of the MCU movies. Um, the first one really kind of gave me hope for the future of the MCU mm -hmm. and hoping that like it was going to get a lot weirder and more outside of the box that they kind of constructed for themselves. That early formula. On. The formula yeah. early on in yeah. Marvel. And uh, that one gave me hope and I, I it stuck with me as being my my favorite even mm -hmm. throughout all the other ones i i there's some that jump out and I'll, i enjoy but um this has been my favorite of the um trilogy of films in this yeah like yeah, yeah so i but the way i've been feeling about guardian or not the guardians but the um marvel films in general kind of like like made me not super enthusiastic about. You were about worried. This. I was worried yeah. and just not in that interested. I was curious, kind of curious, but I was just like, maybe I'll just catch this on yeah. when it comes to streaming. But, um, you you had a ticket. I did. I did. And you invited me along. I know how to get you <laughs> a ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so yeah, we went and I I actually like this one a lot. I liked it. Um, jumping back a little bit, I, I don't really like the second one of these films, uh, the second uh, Guardians film very much. There's a lot of problems I have with it. And so that was another thing adding to how I was feeling about this one. And if they could kind of get back some of the charm of the first one mm -hmm. and what really grabbed my attention and what these characters, um, I knew they could like do with these characters. Um, and I think this one really ties a nice bow around the whole storyline of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. I think they really um, kind of go a lot farther with, like, especially the Rocket storyline mm -hmm. is, like, kind of, like, had me in tears at moments and is really kind of heartbreaking and... Um, Especially when you're dealing with like animals and stuff, that's yeah. just like, yeah. I mean, we all know how horrible people are, and to see them tortured is fine. But like when you see animals being tortured mm -hmm. and going through hell, like that's really hard. Yeah, this was really dark in that regard. Yeah, I'm, I'm, almost, I continue to be surprised that it was PG 13. Yeah, I was gonna say almost to the point where like if it had gone a little further, yeah. like it would be kind of almost distasteful. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like it, it never does that, and it always kind of stays mm -hmm. true to what the story they're trying to tell. Mm -hmm. um, and also, like I, I liked how they dealt with all the other characters too. Yeah. I and I, this what I had running through my head while watching this, like it, it nails that thing that James Gunn is so good at, and like goes back to like his roots of where he like like mm -hmm. with the trauma films and stuff and like i just had this feeling of, like this reminds me of, like the fifth element yeah yeah um just in that like he's using like these very like kind of cheesy practical effects throughout and like suits and things mixed with like the digital world where yeah. he's seamlessly kind of intertwining it and it fits perfectly with in the um 
the world that he's created because it's so colorful and fun. But I, um, I, I really like this movie a lot. And it, it, it kind of makes me like, just like not know where, like I, I, it just makes me wish that a lot of the Marvel movies were up to this standard so I could enjoy them as much yeah. as I did this one. This one is probably my favorite Marvel movie since Infinity War. Yeah. And uh, non-Avengers films, uh, this this is really high up on my list. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it was it was long, but not overstuffed. Even though it has a ton of things in it, it has a, a lot of I think uh, thought as to how it closes out each mm-hmm. Guardians storyline in the trilogy without making it a thing where it's closing out those stories because you know two-thirds of the team are not going to make it out of this movie. And I appreciated that. I appreciated that the end game was not just killing off characters. The end game was, like, let's see them become who they've been working to become this whole time. Even Gamora, who's who's essentially a completely different character, Mm -hmm. is used in this movie to really take Peter to a place that that is the natural progression of where he needed to go. Yeah. And and I I really enjoyed that. I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed the uh, the uh, the flashbacks that uh-huh. are kind of spaced throughout. Because typically I find that very jarring and distracting in a movie when they take a flashback storyline but they spread it throughout the course of a movie. Yeah, I thought this was really well done narratively. It works because Rocket for most of the movie is on a table unconscious, and so it it works. When you go to him and then you get another little flashback and you realize by the end it's it's because of what his brain is doing while he's in this mm-hmm. this medical emergency or whatever. There were but, moments in it when that it would bother me a little bit mm-hmm. just because I, like he was out of the action. Yeah. But then I would remind myself like, OK, we're, we are still getting Rocket. Yeah. We're yeah. just getting hit his, you know, his other story. And so like I would have to kind of keep reminding myself like, oh, this is probably more important than anything he'd yeah. be doing on with the team. Yeah. I thought this one was more consistently funny and inventive yeah, than the yeah. second one. Uh, I thought uh, the jokes really landed. Um, I, I thought, uh, you know, just a lot of the the still things. I love that James Gunn will just sit as an elevator goes down <laughs> as characters ramble to each other about uh-huh. hardly anything. Yeah. Uh, and, and it works as just such a good comic beat. Um, and it just, you can tell that, that everybody is having a good time and it's, it's, he, he packs so many of his friends and family Mm -hmm. into his flicks that that's always enjoyable. It feels less like cameos and it feels more like, oh, there's his buddy and there's Nathan Fillion and there's, you know, it just, it, it has a, a very fun Kevin Smithy feel to it. Um, where it's it's not a distracting cameo. It's just a, a fun place for Nathan Fillion to pop up mm-hmm. or for whoever else, James Gunn's wife or or whatever. I, I, thought, I really uh, like that, like, Sean Gunn, um, yeah. who plays Craglin, yeah. actually, like, gets kind of a full arc by yep. the end of this, too. Like, and yeah. he's not just, a, like... Dopey comic uh, relief. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what he starts off as. Yeah. But, like, I love that there's... No, he actually ends up somewhere. Yeah. And it was cute. The running bad dog joke, even the, the yeah. stupid little telekinetic dog uh, <laughs> I was enjoying. Uh, and and most of all, I thought they did a really good villain. Uh, I, I think I it's one really, of the best villains yep. they've had in a long time. Agreed. He was, was terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you didn't ever get the sense of you knew what he was going to do. Yep. Um, at, at one point, young Rocket 
is is having this just gut-wrenching emotional moment and he's screaming and uh the high evolutionary just starts mocking him mm-hmm. and it's such a creepy and sinister moment and it was really chilling and then especially when you factor in the fact that you're essentially watching animal cruelty yeah this is this is a villain centered around that and it he was just very very dark and i enjoyed the he's not trying to take over the universe i enjoyed the the twists on kind of that theme but he still felt like a very large and imposing galactic baddie well, I like um, that he was not like he was kind of a smaller character yeah. in that he doesn't have super giant like stakes that he's going to destroy the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is like destroying worlds. And I love the willingness of like he's just willing to just toss something as like yeah. entire civilization aside because it's not up to the standard of what he thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there was just moments with like him and the other characters that were especially like rocket like that whole like how he's kind of leading rocket along to get what he wants but then like willing to throw him aside and just use him for experiments to get um where he's trying to go with the rest of his plan um i think i think my only minor quibble with it is that I I feel like after the first movie, James Gunn lost track of what to do with Groot. While yeah. all the other characters really, even even Drax and Mantis, and I was really enjoying their storylines, Groot felt almost propish. And it's, yeah. it's, I mean, he's still fun. Yeah. He's a good character, but he's just kind of the big lovable, uh, I don't know. It, it this, this, this felt like, it's just like, oh, look what he can do now. Look what he thought to do with yeah. his powers now, rather than having a real character moment of this creature that was old then died started mm-hmm. out young and has been growing up since i i feel like there somewhere in there there should have been something a little more weighty to grab onto i'm wondering if like the first one the first because i rewatched the first mm-hmm. one and most of the second one um and i wonder if they just did it all in the first one yeah because he has an arc in that one that's and my I, exact thought is like, that it would be repetitive yeah yeah like I don't know where where you would go with him, and I, I didn't really mind because, especially a character like that where he basically can't talk, mm-hmm. that it left room for some of the other characters yeah. to get a full arc yeah. that they didn't in the, the other films. Yeah, I I also <laughs> liked um, the the way things ended and where characters are. I won't go into that; that's too many spoilers. But I just I liked that. It gives an, uh, other sets of filmmakers the opportunity to not just be stuck to the whole team, mm-hmm. but to take different characters in different directions. And I, I'm I'm excited to see. I really have come to love these characters. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm the same as you too. I have a lot of problems with volume two, but not with the characters. I I love the characters. Yeah. It's all um, story things for me with yeah. that one and pacing. And, yep. Oh. Um, there was just some strange choices made for the second film. Um, but no, this one, this one is is my favorite Marvel movie in quite some time. I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to watching it again. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'll show it to my wife. Really? It, oh, the oh, animal yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that was yeah. hard for me. Yeah. Um, no, I I see where your head's at there. The uh, other reference that like I had in mind during this was like it kind of reminded me like of an island of Doctor Moreau yeah. in space. Like I love that that yeah. they were kind of pulling from that and this had a lot of really 
good spectacle too in the yeah. in the best sense of the word mm. that space station that's organic and they have to break into oh, it that organically was fantastic. and that, that was entire so, sequence that was so um, felt so element. original yeah yeah i love that i really enjoyed that okay well i i already knew kind of what you thought uh because as soon as we came out of the theater it's just like all right clint what did, did you do it for you did you do it clint and Clint really enjoyed it. And if it, it any of them night. were going to, this would do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it would, like, if it had pulled some of the same things that the second one had done, I'd yeah. been like, that's eh, okay. Yeah. I told you, I, I kind of hope this is where yeah. Marvel movies are going. I hope they can just do, this is a very isolated trilogy of films. It does not rely on cameos and, and uh, things from other movies. And it can... Yeah. It can exist on its own. And then use your Avengers movies to bring everything together for people that enjoy that. But I, I actually think it's stronger as a trilogy just to have these characters over the course of three movies. And uh, I, you know, I'm a geek and I love uh, somebody popping up like they do in the comics as much as the next guy. But I don't need Spider-Man. I don't think Spider-Man actually makes a movie better if he just suddenly pops up. And I, I appreciate that the Guardians films don't do that. Instead of having somebody old and familiar pop up, they just make up a new character. Mm -hmm. And it's new and fun. And, and I appreciated that. I think that was another thing I was a little worried going into this one, that there was going to be a lot of... Because they, they do pop up in quite a few of the other Marvel films. Yeah. Like after the um, other Guardians movies. And I was afraid I was going to have to remember all that stuff. And I'm glad that they kind of put that to the side um, so you could just enjoy this as a standalone story. Um, and I thought they did a really good job of just making a standalone story that was contained within the group and the stakes of it was just yeah. a, saving a character. And that, I, man, I, I was, it was kind of such a relief that I didn't have to track like, all this heavy plotting that yeah. they had done, they'll do through um, the other films that yeah. lead to, you know, a climactic event. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so go see Guardians 3. Or if you're listening to this far in the future, watch it on Disney Plus or rent it or buy it. It was a great, great, great ride. Um, our next movie, our, I guess, final movie, because we're only doing two movies today, is Evil Dead Rise. This is the fifth, am I correct? Uh, film in this series, if uh, if you don't count, is the it the TV second series. modern day? It's the second modern day uh, retelling. Uh, the last one was, I think, just called Evil Dead. I think so. Even though it was it was the fourth one, uh, I I really enjoyed that one. Did you? I can't. Recall. I liked it. Okay. I can't. I, I haven't watched it probably since we saw it in the okay. theater, and I thought it was I, okay. I found myself really enjoying it. I've gone back to it a couple of times. Mm. Uh, Levi's watched it, uh, but Evil Dead Rise. Uh, here's the plot: a reunion between two estranged sisters gets cut short by the rise of flesh-possessing demons, thrusting them into a primal battle for survival in a high-rise as they face the most nightmarish version of family imaginable. Clint. Uh, this is from uh, writer-director Lee Cronin. Hmm. What'd you think of uh, Evil Dead Rise? Well, I really had zero interest for this film at all because I liked the 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 Evil Dead one okay when mm -hmm. it came out. Like, as far as I can remember, maybe there's aspects of it that I'm forgetting. But um, so I just expected it to be kind of more of the of that mm -hmm. and this modern day take on the evil dead franchise, which mm -hmm. kind of is baffling to me a little bit. And I feel like it forgets a large portion of what made the originals so great. This particular movie. 
Well, just, or just the, the modern the retellings. modern retellings. Okay. Um, so I wasn't super interested in this. Um, my brother saw it in the theater and was like, "Oh yeah, it was good." So check it out when you get a, get a chance. Mm-hmm. And um, I. I thought it was pretty good. I, I liked it better than I thought I was going to okay. like it. Um, I I was a little worried going in, like how they were going to make the um, like apartment complex aspect of it work and make it like fall within, you know, the world of Evil Dead and mm-hmm. like, you know, all the things that they like to play with and tropes of it and also do something new with it. Um but I, I thought they played with that pretty, like, interestingly. Like, mm-hmm. they did some interesting things with it. I think my biggest gripe with this was the characters were not particularly that interesting. Like, the, I kind of was resenting that this is centered around a bunch of kids and almost – because I, it was kind of just not as fun to see these kids subjected to yeah. Yeah. this situation and – um I, with all with adults, I feel like you can just call it all, all out, and I don't care. But just kids being tormented by a demon is. You kind could of... also feel this one tiptoeing around that at first, yeah, and then yeah. it suddenly went for yeah, it, and yeah. it was it was it was almost like they didn't know what to do, and then they just shrugged their shoulders and said, "Well, let's just kill some people." Right. Yeah. Um, so it, it was it was a strange kind of jarring movement there for me. And I thought they like did a pretty good job of like introducing the idea of like the, the Necronomicon Mm -hmm. and all that stuff, like pretty naturally. It was better than I thought it was going to be. What did you think? I did not enjoy it. Yeah. Um, It, it, I can't quite put my finger on it. It's, it's not bad. It just suddenly, it, it struck me probably halfway through that it, it's very generic. Yeah. Yeah. It feels very sequel. Mm hmm. And considering how much um, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell were kind of outspoken about how much they enjoyed uh, seeing the final finished version of this, uh-huh. I just don't quite get it because it it felt it felt too ordinary. Mm-hmm. At least with the last remake, I mean, they went all out, and uh, you know, even then, it was the first Evil Dead movie in quite some time, so references to the old films I think registered in a different yeah. way. Whereas this one, they kept dropping. Uh, lines and things like yeah. that, but it just felt very forced. I I was <coughs> not interested in the characters at all. No. I was ready for Staphne to fall out of a window. I just, I was done with that weird little doll head on a stick <laughs> that gets broken. And then, you know, okay, somebody's getting yeah, impaled yeah. with that here in an hour. It, it just, uh, I, I do like the way they handled the high rise. It wasn't yeah. a modern high rise. It was, it was definitely dilapidated. And so it still had, I think that was my biggest worry was that it would lose that cabin in the woods yeah, feel. Yeah. And they definitely held on to that grimy aesthetic. I liked I was, how I was they, happy about they that. They played a little bit too with like the bridge being out, like yeah. the stairs are out and the yeah. elevators out like that. There was just little things like that that I liked more than I thought I yeah. would. When I say I I had very low bar for this. Yeah. So the aspect that like that any of it kind of landed for me a little bit, like I I think I'm totally where you are with it, yeah. but I was just like um I was like, uh, it was better than I thought, but I still didn't really like it. I think it. I was more excited about it. Okay. Because I really enjoyed the remake, and I know it's divisive, but I, I was a big fan of the remake, and this one was getting a lot of buzz. And so I w- I really went into this expecting to be creeped out and scared and to Yeah, I wasn't any of that. And, I was and, grossed out. Yeah. 
Yeah, which they're... is something that, especially in modern, like I'm fine being grossed out by like the original, and it's because it's so cartoony yeah. and over the top. But when it's just the reddest of red modern horror blood, yeah, it, it just becomes all the same to me, and I, I get bored by it. And another thing that like I feel like is so missing, even with the the other one, the the Evil Dead from a few years ago. They need to figure out the Bruce Campbell thing. Yeah. They need to figure out getting, because that's such a big part of, I'm not saying the same kind of character or somebody trying to do an impersonation of him. It just has to be a larger than life cartoony character up. Because I actually thought the um, woman who plays the mother in this as the demon was pretty good. Oh yeah, once she makes the turn and yeah. she's possessed, she's great. But you need um, somebody really good who's the adversary yeah. is at that level too. Yeah. A different kind of cartoony, but like somebody matching that energy yeah. and that's what the originals had and these are missing that. And there's a silliness to the original, but it's also in line with somebody uh you know in that Lovecraftian way of of Going slipping yeah. yeah, slipping into madness. Yeah. Uh, while they're dealing with stuff, and Bruce Campbell was was great for that, and I agree with you. I I don't want I, I don't want young Bruce Campbell. No, no. I don't want young Ash, but I I do feel like I need a protagonist that I care about. Yeah, and that I wouldn't mind popping up in multiple films or I, I just I I don't even know. I can't even imagine what I want there. I would know it if I saw it. But I know this just isn't it. This this thing that it's a horror trope. It's been a horror trope for a long time where you introduce a, a cast of characters and you spend half an hour or more trying to show that they're real people that you care about just so you can hack them to pieces. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the audience will feel something. Yeah. And I'm really tired of that. Yeah. It, it feels like that should be a lot easier and more effective than it usually seems to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this one, it's it's like... You've got the perfect setup. You've got a single mom raising three kids, mm-hmm. and you've got her, you know, sort of deadbeat sister. There's a lot to mine there, but it was so just run of the mill, cookie cutter uh, that it 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 just. It, it just didn't do it for me. I know, especially when she ends up being like the final girl. Yeah, yeah. and she's not particularly that interesting of a character Uh, like you don't you learn a little bit about her that like okay she's she's pregnant and she's been on the road with this band that's about it you don't like get to know her as like a character or like an actual three-dimensional like person i i kept waiting for a moment in the movie where uh, the the mother is somehow reverted Hmm. back to being a very beat up but the mother yeah and that that the sister was going to you know surprise get taken out uh, it was, it was, it just stayed very predictable yeah. in that sense to me. And um, I, I, and I, spoiler, it's the only thing I really want to talk well, let's about. Let's see if we're going to say the same thing. The practical mishmash corpse monster at uh-huh. the end, I hated. Oh, it did looked, you? <laughs> it looked so bad. I love the idea. Yeah, yeah. But it just, it looked, you could tell they shot a lot of footage mm. and then none of it was working. So they, they do these very brief kind of skitter shots of it. Yeah, yeah. And it was very disappointing. What were you going to say? Uh, well, I, I like the idea of that. I yeah. think, I almost wish that it was like the midpoint of the film yeah. and then it like got somewhere else that was a little bit bigger. I don't know. Well, as the, soon as they did it, I, I my brain remembered the wood chipper. And yeah, I was just like, I, oh, here we that go. was in my mind the entire time. Yeah. I was like, oh, I know that's coming back. Yeah. The thing I hated and I wish they just didn't do it was the intro 
in the woods. Yes, the the bookend pieces. The bookend pieces I 100% are so hate terrible. More than anything else, you're right. You, the, especially the end yeah. was awful because that woman has been in this apartment complex the entire time and yep. didn't notice. Well, all she of, was on the fifth floor, Clint, and they're up on the. She didn't hear the multiple <sighs> gunshots. I know. I know. I, and then she comes down and doesn't notice the blood like that's caked all over the entire um, parking complex. Like, and then when she does, when she looks in a rearview mirror and sees all this blood, she gets out of her car. To yeah, go that's invest- what you like, do. Come on. If you live in this building, nobody gets out of their car to investigate blood in this building. There was no point to no, it either. It, it was just like, OK, we're trying to tie it to the other ones yeah. a little bit more. But it's like. We can. We don't need it to yeah. be. And and honestly, if it had dropped the opening and just showed that, oh, okay, here's somebody, and then it cut to this cabin, and it's just, oh, the evil continues. I could have even gone with that. The idea of now this thing is loosed from the book, and you don't even need the book. This thing's just roaming around. But even then, I would have not enjoyed that. I really like the book. I like the records. I like yeah. the kind of the the old school occulty mm-hmm. don't mess with things you don't understand because they'll bite back. Yeah. I, I love those themes. Yeah, and, me too. Um, you know, there was a little bit of that here. But even then, the this version of the Necronomicon didn't feel like an ancient text to me at all. No, it, it especially when very it's comic mearing like yeah. what's happening. Yeah, like it's got like the Harry Potter teeth on yeah, the side. Yeah, and, yeah. Ugh. I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I went in. I, I think we're saying the same thing. I think you went oh, yeah. in with no expectations, yeah. so it was okay. I went in for some reason with high expectations, and this thing just just really let me down. Mm. So yeah. uh, go watch Guardians instead. <laughs> uh, maybe if this one's free and you're a real horror fan, uh, there there are some things to enjoy here. It just, on the whole, it it uh, it didn't do a lot for me. We're, I think, a little extra picky about horror things, really too. Are. Some Like, my brother enjoyed this quite a bit. Good, So, good. like, I'm saying, like, the, you might actually enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. I, I hope you do. I, I have a feeling if somebody's into Evil Dead and uh, yeah. this is already on the radar, I don't think yeah. your opinion or my opinion is going to like, no. oh, well, I was going to watch it, but now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, it's one of those... Um, some people, I, I really envy people who are not picky about horror. Mm. They can just enjoy the entire genre. Yeah. I'm, I'm very like upper 10%. There mm-hmm. 90% of horror movies fall short. Yeah. And, and I just hold on to the genre because I love when they hit right and when they, when they land in that 10%. I actually like even enjoy going through the schlocky ones yeah, to yeah. find those. It's yeah. enjoyable to me. And it, it's fun. And yeah. the schlocky ones actually end up making the ones that really click better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they, they serve their purpose. Mm-hmm. Throw them on the sacrificial mound. It's all good. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, we are not going to spend Sinatron this week. No, because we already have our mission because statement. Because we already have our mission statement. In our next episode, we are going with, with Kieran Culkin's Dangerous Bangers, mm-hmm. and these are movies that we have been afraid to revisit uh, because we are afraid that they're not as good as we remember. Yeah, Clint has a bunch. I have a bunch. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about a lot of old movies. Uh, we we are both watching The Ring. Uh, we are both watching Donnie Darko. And what's the what's the third one that we were both watching? It escapes me at the moment. I even went back and rewatched Navy Seals. Mm, <laughs> I cannot wait to talk. About Navy Seals. We're doing uh, Curious Case of Benjamin Button. That's right. Curious Case. That's that's one I haven't gotten to yet. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, that'll be next episode. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. Uh, if, if you have your own 
and we should probably come up with our own title for it. But if you if you have your own dangerous banger story, uh, send it in to us and tell us about a movie that you were afraid to rewatch, that you rewatched, and uh, what you thought about it. And maybe that's something we can check out or just enjoy uh, your horrific experience uh, realizing that old movies are not as good as you believed. <laughs> and some are better. Yeah, some are. Some are. Yeah. I'm... I'm I'm really ready to talk about Navy SEALs, man. <laughs> the, the wave of nostalgia that just crashed over me every five minutes. Watch. I'm not kidding. I am not exaggerating. <laughs> it is a terrible movie. I'll just give you a little bit of a preview. But just the joy yeah. in my heart rewatching this thing was, mm. oh, unlike anything else. All right. I see well, on your face the joy. Just, you can, as yeah. always, find us at www.cinebabblecast.com. You can also find us at Cinebabble on Instagram. You can message us at uh, on Instagram or at contact at cinebabblecast.com. Send us your thoughts. Send us your feedback. We always love reading it. Also, uh, if you have not, uh, throw us five stars and a review. Because Apparently they're working. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that? I, I did. Oh. I did. So, uh, you know, it's it's it helps people to find us. Yeah. So that's always a good thing. Yeah. So I'm good with it. Show right. us some love. Yeah. A little bit of love, you know. Goes a just long a way. Thanks. Yeah. If you, if you hate us, just don't show us anything. Why are you still listening? It's episode 80. If yeah, you go do us, something like, better. Go outside. It's nice out now. Goodness. It's spring. Goodness. It's sprung. Oh, it's spring. <laughs> <laughs> that's the level of humor you can expect at Cinebabble. Spring has sprung you guys all right this has been episode 80 as always uh very happy that you're listening and clint and i are having a good old time watching all these movies and uh deciding if uh, they make us want to live longer or not so uh you keep living longer clint i'll try my best all right get rid of that flu it's gone well i hope because you're sitting here in my house it's gone all right i just got a scratchy throat all right see you clint bye clint